Do you want to start a business, get out of the office, achieve happiness and success while crushing life? This is Boss to Boss, the place to be for that extra motivation to get up and follow your dreams while learning from the ones who have already done it. And now for your host, Miro Wieslow. Welcome to Boss to Boss. Today's guest, after spending 15 years making a living as a designer and a branding guy, he started a social media consulting agency in 2009 and a podcast consulting agency in 2012. In addition, he's a paid speaker, MC, and does live workshops. He does a lot of coaching with solopreneurs, network marketers, and podcasters. Currently, he's the host of Solopreneur Hour, started about five years ago, a show that grosses over 9 million downloads to date. He was able to monetize the show to six figures in six months and also co-hosted a show with former Steelers great Heinz Ward. He has interviewed the likes of Charles Barkley, Adam Carolla, Guy Fieri, Brett Michaels, and Jack Canfield. I could keep going for days, Michael. Michael O'Neill, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? What's up, Mario? I got in trouble for saying Fieri when I when I interviewed Guy Fieri because I entered I introduced him the same way and he stopped right away and he said Fieri, it's Fieri, and I was like, sorry. And then we were live, like there's nothing I could do about it. So it was one of my that was the moment that I decided that I would uh, forevermore go to YouTube and try to find the person I was interviewing pronounce their own name so I got it right. You know what I mean? Like so, I would make sure I heard it somewhere first before I I did that to somebody on the microphone again. Ah, so I take it, it I said, at least I said Michael O'Neill, right? You got that part right. I don't know. I wasn't critiquing <laughs> you. I was critiquing myself that I totally blew Fieri when uh, the time came. Oh man, that must have been good. Well, hopefully, hopefully it's still uh, you salvage the situation. Yeah, he was cool. It was just uh, it was just an embarrassing moment, you know, in so, in in broadcaster life. <laughs> Which which you've been doing for a while, and it, whoever wants to follow along as you're listening to the show, check out solohour.com, or you can just you know go type in Michael O'Neill anywhere on, on uh, social media. Uh, we we can definitely find you right away. You'll pop up as the podcast guy, the podcast <laughs> king. <laughs> uh, a lot of lot of great tips, especially if you're a podcast host or a listener or just trying to do anything with audio. So just to make it awkward on you now, cool. I'm, I love awkward. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through a year by year timeline since you were born until right now, and we're gonna talk hmm. about every single year what you've done, so we know exactly everything about you. Sweet, let's do it. That sounds great. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm a little fuzzy from like zero to forty five. All right. So, so we can get just current as good. <laughs> so we just go current. Well, that being no, said, you- that being said, I I think uh, you know your intro speaks for itself and. What you've done with Solopreneur Hour, the show itself—I mean, it's, it speaks for itself. I mean, nine over nine million downloads, and that was a half a year ago. How? how yeah. How did, how did you do it? Um, I think when I started my show, I had a couple of things that that were um, that, that gave me a bit of a leg up. Number one is that the the moment, the day I submitted my show to iTunes. No, that's not true. The day that I recorded my first episode, mm-hmm. in my mind, I said, I'm a professional broadcaster. So that was the first thing to happen. Meaning, what would they do? What gear would they have? How would they structure the show? How would they take it upon themselves to be a good host? So I thought about all of those things the first minute that I was uh, on uh, the you know, having the idea of doing a podcast. And I think that's a huge difference because most people come at it like, well, let me just get a microphone and I'll throw something up there. And I'm like, that's not how pro works. That's not how people consume because if I'm going to ask them to turn off NPR or Howard Stern or morning radio, I better, I better be able to bring it to the same level as those guys do. So I always thought, let me, let me put some effort into the, the art of being an interviewer or a a host, because I know that my competition has. And for a couple of years, literally from like when I first started my show was 2013, 
I kept saying to everybody, guys, the pros are coming. The pros are coming. I trust me when I tell you that Hollywood and the radio stars are going to they're going to see the writing on the wall and they're going to start podcasters. We're going to start seeing podcasts from comedians and people that are professional communicators. You better have your shit together. And some people listened and most didn't. And those people have had like 19 shows and their podcast went away because nobody listened to them. Mm-hmm. And it's because you're, you're didn't, you didn't bring it, you know? So that's A. Two is that I think I did something that wasn't easily duplicatable, meaning my, my, uh, my concept of the show was let me do these deep dive conversations and interviews with people and, and kind of dig around in areas that they may have never spoken about before, but it also required some chops. Like I had to be a good conversationalist versus, excuse me, let me write eight questions out and ask the same eight questions to everybody, which anybody can do. I was saying, no, no, I'm going to do an unedited live show Mm -hmm. that's an hour long and whatever happens, it, it's li- it reminds me of live to tape in the 60s, which is what they did with television. Mm-hmm. Just whatever happens in between that hour is what the show is. And I think you need a fair bit of chops to do that. Like you've got to have a skill set to do that. And so consequently, that wasn't for everybody because I think that the, the, the notion of I'm going to give value to my listener is one of the most dangerous ideas in podcasting. Uh, whereas I think the question and the goal for everybody that starts a show should say, I want to entertain my listener. And if that entertainment includes comedy or value or message, Uh then great. But if they're sleeping, they're not learning. So you better be entertaining on top of whatever the thing is you want to do. So I think maybe that's the answer. Okay. Uh, I like that a lot, man. Uh, especially, and then you mentioned something to me when I just I just saw you at Thrive, which shout out to Thrive. That event was, you know, pretty pretty amazing. Not gonna lie, one of the better events I've been to. Was that the first time at Thrive? First time at Thrive. Wow. Yeah, and I'm sold. I mean, I I will go back there for as long as I know. <laughs> uh, I, I just something about it, you know. They're just everybody was so genuine and real. And you mentioned uh, most people don't make it past what is it, episode eight, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. So- Seven is the thing where most people drop off. That's yeah, that's crazy. And the fact that you just went into it, having conversations, I, that that's another thing, you know, just being real. It's so important. And yeah, there's no bigger turnoff than just like, all right, we got to answer this, this, that, that, that. And they don't listen to the response. And it's just like, it's, you just go, well, oh, yeah, I've just told you that my parents passed away and are, and they got flown away on a space shuttle by aliens. You're like, awesome. So when blah, I'm like, wow, really? That that was the response. Oh man, oh yeah, that's that's a buzzkill and a half right there. I mean, I I've heard that before on a show, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is the most interesting thing I've just heard in the longest time, and we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyway, so before you made the leap though into solopreneur hour, you know, you started up your own agency. Was there a turning point at some point in your life when you're just like, that's it? I'm not working. That was it. I'm not working for the man anymore. It was literally when both my parents passed away within a few months of each other, and I I hit complete and utter ground zero. Mm-hmm. I lost all my money. I had houses and cars and and things that you would expect for someone who was like a six figure creative director, you know, earner to do. I, I was sort of living the normal life, if you will, and and especially with my mom. My dad was not a huge surprise. He had congestive heart failure. So it was like a four year thing. Mm -hmm. Mom was a very big surprise. It was a phone call on a Sunday that I'll never forget. And, and actually we just got back from this conference called thrive. Um, and it, it took us into this, that was around mid September, 2018 was that conference. And the day that my mom passed away was September 15th. It was right in the middle of thrive. It was the Saturday of thrive. And I remember thinking, why am I so grumpy and off and, and feeling, introverted today. And I was like, Oh, it's September 15th. No wonder. Like I, I didn't realize why I was feeling so down. Oh, and I was so like, it's oh. anniversary time right now. It was, yeah. When she oh, passed wow. away. I'm September sorry about 15th. that. No, no, no. Oh. That's not what I'm bringing up. I yeah. just I didn't even realize. Yeah. But, but one thing it's great for is this, uh, uh, is contrast. It's the reminder of where we were to, to show us where we are now. And I think contrast is really important for, 
for not only life but relationships. It's it's really good to see. Wow, we look how far we've come, and and it's it's sometimes not easy for me to celebrate my milestones. Mm-hmm. And say, wow, this actually was really kick ass and I'm really glad that happened. I'm better at it now than I was three years ago where something cool happens and I go, all right, I got to stop and actually celebrate this and have some friends or, you know, buy a thing or, you know, I just got I'm I'm a nerd about watches. So I got in celebration of a couple of great things that happened the last couple of months. I I rewarded myself with a new um, vintage. I like old watches. I so. I rewarded myself with a new vintage watch that I was to, I wore it all week at Thrive, and it was just cool. And it feels great on the wrist. I'm not wearing it right now, but um, <laughs> but uh, it is a just a, one of those things that, I, that reminds me like this was a moment when I realized this was my value. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I had a couple of very sort of high end, you know, cons- podcast launch clients that came in, and it was like, you know. A couple of years ago, if I'd said, well, I'm going to charge, you know, this amount of money for a podcast launch, um, th- that that's me stepping way outside of my comfort zone. And me having a few of these in a row is just telling me, wait, this is actually what your value is instead of being outside, you know, and feeling like, man, I'm really I'm kind of ripping these people off. It's like, no, this is what you're worth. This is yeah. what this is, because I had a few of those. And that to me was a, a, a moment to celebrate. So I. I grabbed the the watch. If you guys look at, um, if you Google for Tom Tom Cruise and Top Gun, he's got this black watch on, and that's the thing I got. That same oh, watch. Yeah, it's why, fun. Why, why do you think that is though? Because I'm I'm the same way myself. I don't ever like stop and celebrate. Once in a while, I do, but I I don't. You know, even though I've accomplished a few things here and there, we just always want to keep going, keep going. Is it like society? You think or? There's a culture thing where it's like, keep grinding. And I think that's bullshit. I think it's, um, yeah, I think, uh, and this is actually something else that was a big revelation at Thrive was I don't think people need to, I don't think people pay enough. They're worried about paying their bank account with money and they don't pay their happiness bank account with anything. So if you think about the things that make you a happy human being, how many of those things are you doing on a regular basis? And you know what I mean? And it's oh, like, there's a, this is a whole show of honestly, for sure. For sure. This concept is a whole show. Uh, but, but it's a, it's a nugget I got from watching one of the performances at this conference. I'm not sure if, for those of you who aren't on video, um, Mira was looking over my shoulder at a drum set that's behind me. I'm, and, uh, I'm dying to ask. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm dying to ask about it. <laughs> well, so what's interesting is a lot of people, might know me in the, you know, entrepreneurship, the podcasting world, things like that. The moment they see me on the drums, they will, they would probably say, Oh, I didn't know him at all. I had no idea that that's where home is. And that concept is something that really resonated with me at thrive watching what what this, this dance performance that we, that we saw Mm -hmm. from a guy named legacy Perez, who's been a, a great mentor. He's a great real estate guy. But for people that just met him on the street and, and in the real estate world, to then see him perform on stage as a dancer, you'd go, oh, I thought I knew him. I didn't know him at all until now. Because that's where home is for legacy. Mm-hmm. That's where home lives. And this concept of where does your home live has been, it was like a little sprout uh, and then I saw that performance and I said, holy shit, this is going to be the thing. And now after having a couple of dozen conversations about it with a lot of, uh, people, I think it's going to become my, my next keynote in the thing that I maybe write a book about and the thing that's going to be the, the, uh, my big brand and the big discussion point of the next year or two. So I don't know if you've done this before, but is it possible we're going to get a bossed two boss exclusive and see you play. Well, I don't know if you could see me from here. You, we could. Oh, we could see you. We could see you. Yeah, we totally could. Um, yeah. Is it gonna? Are we, are we gonna throw something in there? I mean, it's up to you. If you wanna, you can, you can, uh, you can ask, and then I can either say yes or no. That's fine. And what's weird is I think I could actually do it because I'm mic'd up. I'm pretty sure that if I play, that um, I could the audio would run right through to your podcast because hey, it's all mic. Hey, I'm asking. Let's uh, may you please 
put the audience a, a show? Put the, put a show just have a little, like a little groove. All right, so the, if yeah. I do this, I second because um, I can't have I've got doors and windows open. Uh, okay. So I have shut windows and doors, which is fine. I'm happy to do that. But then you're not going to be able to see anything because it's pitch black in this room because I have three layers of soundproofing in this room. So I don't know if you can see that black wall behind me. So if I um, here, we'll just pause for a second. Pause everything. You can edit this. Oh, yeah. There. All right. Exclusive. That's a, that's an exclusive, everybody. You don't you don't get that anywhere, but you get it here because Michael O'Neill is the man and uh, the man behind Soulpreneur Hour. That's what you get. So where can we hear you play live, though? Did that go through? Like, did you hear the drums with oh, yeah. mic and stuff on it? Oh, yeah. Cool. Did it sound okay on your end? Yeah, it sounded great. It was legit sounded like you were recording in a studio. Sweet. Rad. Um, so where do we where do we where do we find this footage at next? I play a few times a week on uh, on uh, in here in San Diego. I have a drum uh, channel on YouTube called uh, Mike Plays Drums Denver. It was before uh, I moved here to San Diego. I've got a uh, Reverb Nation, ReverbNation.com slash Mike Plays Drums. And that one is um, it's got a bunch of recordings I've done with a lot of bands over the years. And there's a bunch of drum covers on YouTube. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, just that. I'll be sure to check that out. And and if I do make it to San Diego, is there a, is there a spot to see you play? Yeah, I play like three days a week here at different spots. Oh, right. Actually, okay. it could be four. Yeah, so plenty of spots. Okay, I'll be in contact. Can't You'll have wait. to let me know. <laughs> All right. Well, before you uh, before you got into the drumming and the podcasting, did you know did you know that's what you were going to do next? Like, did you know specifically podcasting because that's what your main focus is on right now? Did you know that's what you were going to do? No, it was there was a guy uh, at this company I was working with who was a big um, big personal development uh, speaker. Big, big dude. And I'd seen him in front of 10,000 people and you could hear a pin drop, an amazing speaker. And he came to me with a YouTube question a couple of years ago. And he, <clears throat> he just said, uh, he had this question. I said, you know, David, uh, his name was David T.S. Wood. And I said, David, um, you, I've seen you speak in front of 10,000 people and you could hear a pin drop. I, I feel like we should grow your brand a little bigger because that's the thing that I knew. I knew brand and, and marketing really well. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And he goes, well, how do we do that? And I was a big podcast guy since 2004 with like Ricky Gervais and Twit TV and those guys. And I said, well, what about a podcast? And he said, what's a podcast? I'm like, oh, it's like a radio show. You download it. And so I created this brand for him called The Kick-Ass Life with David Wood. And we launched that show in early 2012. And it became an instant hit. It was always the top 10. Like so in, in, on iTunes, the subcategories, there's the, the main category is health. 
mm-hmm. subcategory is self-help. And that's like where all the personal development stuff is. And um, he was, we were always top 10 uh, in, in, uh, in health, in the overall category. So we got that show to between 3,500 and 5,000 downloads a day was that show. And so it was wow. doing well. And, um, and somewhere around, what episode was it? Oh, it was actually 86. It's really weird. It's a long, that part of it is a really long story because I was a, a big, you mentioned that I was a Heinz Ward fan. Um, or, a, you know, a, a, I'm a big Steelers fan. I have a terrible, my terrible towel right here. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> but like a big Steelers fan. And I have right here for the people on video, I'm showing that I have a Heinz Ward 86 jersey uh, hanging in my studio here, which is called Studio 86. He was like, a beast. I have a wooden plaque above my studio. Uh, it says Studio 86. This was long before... I knew anything about working with him. That's the point that's crazy is that mm-hmm. crazily enough, I get a phone call that some celebrity is looking to do a show and it turns out that it's Heinz Ward. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> and so all of a sudden I'm the co-host of this guy that I have his jersey hanging on the wall. It's just bonkers, bonkers, bonkers. Anyway, um, the first, so David, uh, I was behind the scenes doing all that stuff and David was uh, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and he couldn't do the show. So I just jumped on. I, at the time, I'd been training a lot of social media for solopreneurs and like the psychology behind it and mm-hmm, the kinds mm-hmm. of things to post and how to post and my Harry Met Sally technique. And um, and so I said, you know what? We need to do a show because I'm in showbiz. I'm a drummer. The show must go on. So let me just jump on. I'll do a 45 minute show as a guest host um, about how to run how to do social media for your solopreneur business. And I did it for 45 minutes, first time on the mic. And I remember hitting stop and going, huh, that was easy. And then I had all these emails that were like, uh, you should do that. That should be a thing you do. And I thought, all right, well, that's interesting. Maybe I should start a podcast. That'd be fun, you know? And then I had lunch with, uh, there's a guy named Pat Flynn who runs smartpassiveincome.com. Oh, yeah. He's a super nice dude, lives here in San Diego. We're, we're buds. And I had lunch with him, and he's really well known for his brand, which is called Smart Passive Income, or SPI uh, for short. Mm-hmm. And he and I had lunch. We hung out for like two hours. We chatted about everything under the sun, girls and fashion and cars and pretty much everything about business, everything instead of business. <laughs> and he stopped in the doorway on the way out, and he goes, dude, thank you. I go, what? He goes, I never get to do that. Every conversation I have is about SPI in some way or another. And so I thought, that's cool. Wouldn't that right. be interesting to do a show where I bring these people on and we talk around everything they're known for? And and what if that was the concept? And inevitably, those people are smart and they, they're business people. So th- I think that whatever the nuggets are, are they're going to come out anyway. I don't need right. to be so blatant about asking them, give me 10 tips for how to blog better on, blah, you know? And so that sort of became the the concept of the show. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was going to be called. I didn't know anything about it. I knew that I wanted to hang around with people that I wanted to talk to, like comedians and, and actors and musicians and, you know, real estate moguls and, and, and some online business people. And I thought, What's the thing that ties them together? And I'd been using this phrase solopreneur for a couple of years in my social media trainings. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just, that'll be it. And then I heard some ad somewhere, maybe for the McNeil Lair News Hour or something like that. I go, the solopreneur hour, that's what it is. So I ran right over to Google and I got it. And then I had this, well, how do I define it? Because that's abstract. And as a good branding person knows, if you're going to have, so you can have your brand mark and then your tagline. And the brand mark, uh, if the brand mark is abstract, the tagline has to be literal. If the brand mark is literal, the, the tagline needs to be abstract. And so either way, a, a viewer looking at your, your stuff needs to know exactly what they're getting uh, within two seconds. They just need to know what, what they're getting out of your deal. So you can't do abstract, abstract. And, and literal, literal doesn't really work. And a good example is Google. Nobody knew what a Google was when they came out. But their tagline was like the world's best search engine. Okay. Got it. There we go. Now I know what to do, right? Um, they certainly now can drop the world's best search engine part. We all know. But at the beginning, nobody knows you and nobody knows anything. And so what I tell people about, you know, podcasters, don't put your dumb picture on your dumb artwork. Get the thing as simple as possible and make sure people know what it is you do 
right away. There needs to be like the title of the show and then what the show is about right there on the artwork. And if you don't get that, you're not going to get the clicks you would if, you know, and <clears throat> like if I started the Michael O'Neill show, I would have had nine listeners still to this day. I would have had nine listeners. I've been and, told I've been told that the picture, you know, some people are strong about the picture. What's your reasoning against that? Like put a picture on it. Oh, yeah, there's your icon. a million years for an audio podcast to put a picture on it. All it does is it all it does is convolute the the iTunes. When you're looking at the iTunes uh, screen with all the artwork on it and someone's picture, it's it completely stops the thing from popping off the page and getting attraction from the eye. If you look at iTunes and you open it up at a full screen and squint your eyes, you'll notice everybody that has a picture disappears into the background, and all the ones that are well designed jump into the front. So. It's just it's pure. Uh, what is it? It's not psychology. It's um, it's psychographic, I think, is what it is. We used sense. to design around. it. I mean, I was a yeah. you know designer and a branding guy for 15 years. I know how to get something to pop off a page and get someone to look at it. You're really so, you're really onto something here. Wow. I, you're, oh, I <laughs> exactly how I see it. You just explained it. And that's exact. Wow. I never really put the two and two yeah. together. Yeah. So so there's I mean. And people can do it. I've had friends that have had really successful podcasts and mm-hmm. said, hey, I'm going to change this thing to my name now. And they put their picture on it and they watch their new listeners plummet. It's like and they're they're popular. They had a very popular show getting like a half a million listens a month. And they watch the thing go down to like 200,000. I'm like, it's not it's not rocket science, mm-hmm. but it is science. It is definitely science. The simpler, well, imagine this, like, look, if, if you look at your background versus my background right now, who's popping out more? <laughs> you are by like 50 right. times. You're on this solid orange background. Oh, oh, my background. Okay. So I'm talking about on this video. I should explain this. So I'm in my studio right now. I'm wearing a black shirt. I've got a drum set behind me now with a light. So I'm almost silhouetted, yeah. but it's super complicated behind me. I've got stuff everywhere where, right? Right. Whereas Miro is on a solid orange background and you are leaping off the, the page. You're leaping off the video while I'm disappearing. So if that doesn't tell you something about how the hum- how humans perceive things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you want a solid background color with something on the front of it. And that's going to make your artwork pop a lot more. Anyway, to get back to my um, my tagline, I'd always pictured myself as being uh, unemployable for many years. In fact, I was like, and and that is once you've gotten a certain amount of knowledge, once you've gone to enough conferences, read enough books, there's no way you can go back to that middle manager again that doesn't know nearly as much as you do about right. how this world works. So there's no way. It's a one-way street. It's a complete one-way street. And you effectively have become unemployable by by virtue of too much knowledge. You've learned too much. You know too much now. It's like taking the, the red pill or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um and you can't really ever go back to being like, oh, cool. I'm just going to go back to the Matrix. What so, would it take, though, for you to go back? Like, what would have to happen? Would the world have to I explode? Find someone. There's two things in my life that are that are almost impossible for me to to be able to to put a number on. One wow. of which is the the car that I restored. I restored a vintage 911 uh, years ago, and I've been offered some pretty stupid money for it, but it wasn't stupid enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and then me going back to work for someone, the number would have to be absurd and, or, well, put it this way. If the job was that I had to go to work from eight to five every day, the number would have to be crazy. If the job was me having complete autonomy, like I do now, then it's less, you know, then let's say, uh, here I am, you know, a, a year and a half ago or so. And a lot of a lot of the listeners uh, are definitely you know in the same boat as well. They're sitting here in that cubicle like I was, and I was miserable, you know, listening to tw- you know twenty different bosses. Like, what would you tell them? Because this is not easy. You know, obviously we're talking about all the good things, though it's not always so easy. What would you tell them if if they're even you know meant to make that leap into this read, entrepreneurial read the world? 67. You got to read the sexy seven. So when I came back from Europe, I, my uh, parents had just passed away. I went to Europe for four months. I spread their ashes everywhere. I always wanted to take them as a, a quote unquote really? successful adult. It's like a, so little, I took, a little bit at a time. Yeah. Like I had a little Italian Parmesan cheese shaker. It's still in my living room. And I just uh, went and I spread them everywhere that, that I wanted to take them. So, wow. um, 
So, and then they're, they're on the beaches of Normandy. They're in the Sistine Chapel. They're, you know, and like sometimes I had to go a little Shawshank Redemption with it because you're not allowed to spread ashes in the Sistine Chapel. But um, I, I, uh, I came back from that and it was like the end. Uh, you ever see The Princess Bride? Uh, yeah, I believe so, yeah. Not, you're in trouble because you need to see The Princess Bride. Anyway, in the movie, there's a guy, this young kid whose father was slain by this bad guy. And he spent his entire life trying to avenge his father's death. So he would look around for this guy who had six fingers on his right hand. And um, he would walk up to everybody. And he said, uh, when I see this guy, I'm going to say, hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Right. And so finally, at the end of the movie, he gets the bad guy and he does the thing. And his buddy comes up to him after it's all said and done. And he says, well, what are you going to do now? And Inigo says, I don't know. I've been in the revenge business my whole life. And that's how I felt sitting on my brother's guest bed when I got back from from Europe. I only knew this world of design and branding and marketing for 15 years. But what I knew I didn't want to do was work a dollar for an hour ever again. But I didn't know what to do with it, honestly. Weirdly enough, that night I was invited to a bachelor party. No, a, uh, rather an um, uh, uh, engagement party. Almost the same. And... The guy that was getting engaged was an internet marketer, and I didn't know anything about that world. But he was making like five grand a day selling some dumb weight loss tea on, you know, driving. This is back in the day when before the Penguin and Panda Google updates where you could just drive tons of traffic to your Google AdWords and you could just I mean, it was like printing money. It was so it was crazy for a couple of years there. So <clears throat> this, guy, <laughs> this guy was doing that. And um, I was like, I want to learn. Tell me more. And he goes, I will talk to you once you've read these books. And he put a couple of books in front of me. I have since modified the, the list. Mm -hmm. But my rule of thumb is if we're going to work together or you're going to want to further your life, that if you read these seven books in this order, mm -hmm. that you can open up your front door, the same front door you've had for years, but you will open it up to a completely and utterly different landscape. You, it will completely change how you view the world and income and happiness. So these are the seven books. Um, I call them the sexy seven. You can get them on kit.com slash solo hour if you want. And, um, they, and many of you have read many of these by the way, but there is something about the order cause they really kind of build on each other. It is a, it is an interesting uh, psychological play and you can do them in a week. If you get all the audiobooks. You could do these in a week. You need to get the one print one print book out of this because it requires a special code for uh, a test, and you have to get the code. But anyway, uh, book number one is Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, uh, and that gives you the vocabulary of how wealthy people think about money. Then we have the Cash Flow Quadrant, also by Robert Kiyosaki. That if you're if you now understand the vocabulary, this will get you speaking in sentences, if you will. Uh, book number three is The Four-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. That will give you an idea of, oh, I didn't even know that could be a thing. I didn't even know that that could be a business. And you start seeing how people that are travel hacking, lifestyle hacking, mileage hacking, all the things that make people feel like billionaires but aren't, you can do that within that book. Book number four is called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Don't ever interview Michael Gerber, by the way. Um the e Revisited will show you how to structure your business so that you work on the business and not in the business. So effectively, you're removing yourself from a lot of the day-to-day -day operations so you can work on the, the higher level stuff. And it's really a – that of all the books was the biggest game changer for me. Mm -hmm. um, book number five is called Strengths Finder 2.0 by Tom Rath. And if you don't know what you're good at, and don't know where you should be focusing your energy, this book will tell you that. This will, you'll, you'll read it a little bit, but then you have to take an online test. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. Difficult in that it's not, you don't answer in the way that you think society would answer. The, the, a lot of the answers are gray to gray. You have to pick which gray answer. You're like, hmm, it's either this one or this one. And you got to go with your gut. And the end result is 
it spits out your five greatest strengths, the kind of businesses you should be doing and the kind of people you should be surrounding yourself with to supplement who you are. Huh. Uh, book number six is called Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk. What I like about this is that it is still, even though it's the oldest one he's written, it's still the, it articulates how to run effectively pretty much any social media platform. Meaning the concept is, uh, put out great content until you get a matter of authority before you ask for a sale or a purchase or something like that. And so I still like that. And then book number seven is called Zag by Marty Neumeyer. And Zag, once you've done all these things, you're like, I really want to do a thing. I'm really excited, ready to go. Zag will help you create a brand that zags while everybody else is zigging. Huh. It is a it, and it, it'll have you answer some questions that are really interesting, like what would my uh, epitaph, what would what would be read on my tombstone um, once my business dies in 20 years? What would be written about it? I, so I know I know that was structured in a form of giving a list to our audience, though. I really appreciate that. I think we're all going to find that very useful. And uh, I, I know it's not something you like doing. It's totally, oh, no, against, no. It's totally no, against no, no. your show. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. There are certainly times for that. Moments. But I wouldn't, um, I don't know. I don't know if I would put a, I mean, maybe I would. Maybe I would write a, do a show that said seven books that could change your blah, blah, blah and, and do that. But it's generally not the concept of what I, I like to do. Mm -hmm. It's not, um, I, I mean, and even if I did, even if I did that show, and maybe I will someday now that we've talked about it. It wouldn't, it would be structured in stories. It wouldn't be, I would have a story for every single book. Exactly. And I would have a story with how it, how I read it, how I interpreted it. You know, like with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think I read it twice before I even thought about doing anything. Like it, it didn't even, it, I thought, oh, that's good for those people. Mm -hmm. That's good for other people. I'm not one of those people exactly. that, you know, I'm not a real estate investor. I didn't understand the, the bigger notion, which was like, don't. Uh, which was don't make money to buy things, make money to buy assets that will pay for things. And it was like, oh, I didn't get that until five reads in or something. You know, that was the big difference. So would you say that anyone that's debating whether or not they should do something or whether or not they should go out there, they should get these seven books or audio books, whatever, and listen to them first that the, the answer oh, is there. Don't do a thing until once you've done that, you will at least have enough of a baseline to walk into someone who could be a mentor or a coach mm -hmm. or a conference on, on a, uh, and be able to talk their language and be on a similar level to them. You'll, you at least understand the notion of entrepreneurship by the time okay. you've read those books. That's and so if important. You, and if you haven't, you, chances are you don't. And, and you will spin your wheels. You know, I mean, I still have, you know, I currently coaching probably 40 something people. And I'm amazed at how few of them, I shouldn't say that. That's not, that's not right. I'm not amazed. I, a lot of them are actually very savvy, but a lot of them come into it having zero background and zero knowledge on it. I'm like, just read the books first. If you just read those books, it's all there. I remember stopping at a library in San Diego a couple, I don't know, a few weeks ago. I was on my bike outside looking at the library. I go, everything anybody needs to know about anything is in that building right there. It's literally, literally. There's nothing that's nothing that's 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 a, a current social problem, a current financial problem that's not inside that building, which is fascinating. And that goes for every single library in the world, you know, yep. in the smallest town ever. All the solutions are in that building. And so many people, so many influencers, big time names bring it up how books got them to where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. Yet we still like sometimes Blinkist. just don't don't listen to it. I, I don't yeah, know you, so Blinkist. 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 Yeah, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist takes all the most popular business books and distills them into little 15-minute, like, here's what the book is about and blah, blah, blah. And you can just listen to it on audio on your phone. Blinkist. Blinkist.com. Right. And if you want, um, I have a free trial if you want. Can I give the, that plug? Oh, yeah. It's a boss-to-boss -boss exclusive, everybody, by Michael O'Neill. Uh, it's Blinkist.com slash solo hour, S-O-L-O-H-O-U-R. And uh, they'll give you a free week uh, and you just download the app on your phone and you put that promo code in or maybe you just go online and do that. And it's cool because 
you can crank out like two major books a week and you can read them a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And if I just wake up and I want to just, you know, I have 15, 20 minutes, you can literally consume I, one of those books just like that. I've never consumed the sexy seven and maybe I should. It would be actually cool to, to see how it, if it feels the same as reading them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love Blinkist. It's a really cool app for yeah. that. I am surprised I haven't, I haven't heard of it. I knew there was something like that, but have not heard of this one. So I'm definitely gonna look into it because sometimes there is a lot of clutter in books, you know, just to make them longer at times. So this is definitely a, definitely a great, great option. So uh, the, the crowd is the audience is definitely going to appreciate this. Definitely check it out. Everybody that's blankest.com slash solo hour. Yeah. I, and go ahead. It's just Blinkist I-S-T, I think. B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, yeah. Anyway. Got it. All right. Well, now on to our listeners' favorite and my favorite, hopefully now your favorite, segment of the show. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. Okay. What do you call it yours? I actually don't. It's the round with no no name because all the cool names are already taken. Got it. Cool. So this is the part where my producer is lurking in the background. You can't see him right now, but he's always lurking. And if we don't answer the question, you got five seconds to answer your question. You at least start it off. We don't want you thinking about it too much. I've already given you a drum solo, bro. All right. <laughs> Otherwise, he pops out and let's uh, – I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to that. I don't have to deal with it. Okay, good. By the way, before you ask me this question, what are those headphones you have on? They're very cool. Uh, Pioneer CDJ – 2000s very sexy they've got a great form to them hdj yeah. 2000s yeah they're very cool anyway uh, this was back in the day when i used to uh dj in my college days nice yeah dj then cpa now uh on demand Love storage it. and junk removal uh company <laughs> so anyways here we are go what is your favorite book Five seconds. Um, good question. Four agreements. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to have a talk after the show. He's not happy. If you were stranded on an island, and for the unforeseeable future, what is the one item you want with you? My drums. All right. All right. Is entrepreneurism a fad? Yes. Who has been or is currently your greatest mentor? Physical, like actual mentor or online? Anybody. Person. Jerry Seinfeld. That's a first. That's a boss to boss first. How do you drink your coffee? I don't drink coffee. Do you get caffeine another way? (laughs) Yeah. I do chai or I do uh, like a natural energy thing. Is there a specific brand or something that you that you consume? There's a uh, – I'll tell you a quick story about that even though this is a tornado round. Um, there's a great show called The Way I Heard It by Mike Rowe. And it's to me one of my favorite podcasts right now. It's less than 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. He tells these great stories about things that we know – things that exist, things that you've used but you don't know, know where they came from or how they originated. And he told this story about this guy that – was literally a Matt Damon in Goodwill Hunting type genius who ended up getting a scholarship to Princeton, was bored because he was smarter than all the faculty there and left there, went back to his home country. He was crazily ADD as people get um, that are that are of genius level. It's, they're also a little spectrum, excuse me, spectrum me. Mm-hmm. And um, he, uh, he, he learned about kind of the, the kinds of uh, things that make someone focus, that makes the brain focus. So he put together a little concoction and he would take it and it was really effective for him. And he tried to sell it and the FDA wouldn't let him use the word focus, but they did let him use the word energy and that's where five-hour energy came from. No way. Yeah. So that concoction is five-hour energy? Five-hour energy is the thing that this guy created for focus. And I will say it is very, very – for a guy like me who's crazily ADD, very effective for it. I never I never knew. Um, so I take that uh, sometimes and then I use one that's not – doesn't make me quite as jittery by a company called Isogenics, which is called an eShot. And uh, I get a few boxes of those every month as well. 
Huh. Do you consume this yeah. every day? No, but if I really want to sit and crank for a couple hours, I do. Uh-huh. So yeah. going going off that, is there one product? Um, it doesn't have to be this, but if it is, it is. The one product you wear every day, something you consume or drink that you need that makes you you, makes you different. Um, can I just, can I say my, my iPhone? Is that a thing? Yeah. That yeah. That's, I would say that this is probably the most important device of my life in terms of like, if my laptop failed and my podcasting equipment went down and everything else, this shit hit the fan, I could still do okay with this phone. That's how crazy and good these things are now. Luckily, I don't tell people that I'm going to give out this product to everybody for free. So, whew. <laughs> yes. It's not like Oprah. How do you feel about white socks or black shoes? Would you ever wear them? White socks? Uh, very, very occasionally white socks. I'm okay with black shoes for sure, but the not white, with white socks. Yeah, with the white socks on. Oh, no, never in a million years. Why is that? What if I'm over here trying to make a statement and right away you're going to look at me and be like, uh. Your statement says I don't know how to dress. That's what the statement says. So there's zero chance you would take me serious no matter what. Zero. Zero. Like like white athletic socks with oh, your yeah. black shoes? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, not in a million years. I would say this guy has no idea. And I apologize if that's what you're no. wearing now. <laughs> no. Any more than you should get. Gentlemen, stop buying square-toed shoes. Stop it. That's not a thing anymore? Oh, it was never a thing, dude. It was never a thing. What about the bell bottoms nowadays? I don't know anything about those. I'm sure you've I seen them. I don't see a lot of bell bottoms. I've seen a couple of people at the Thrive event. But... Girls, maybe? Yeah, yeah, for now. Yeah, like yoga pants, bell bottoms. Yeah, I don't know. My ex-girlfriend used to wear them. I wasn't a fan, but neither here nor there. If you had an unlimited amount of money right now and you could start up anything you want, any business, what would it be? Uh, it would be any, anything, huh? Um, probably the ones that I'm starting, which is products and services related to the vintage Porsche community. And I'd probably be flipping, uh, vintage Porsches in my fun spare time. All right. I like that. You're not just going about the money. You're actually doing something you're passionate about. That's my whole world. That's home. That's what it should be, and hopefully, hopefully, one day that's the next step, and you can, you know, make do that for the rest of your life and play drums, because that's that's what it's all about. If I if I have my druthers, you will see and hear me speaking about this on the Thrive stage next year. All right, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. We, we need to hear more of it. That being said, we survived. You sur- you're still there. I'm still here. Sweet. And uh, my producer didn't come out though. That one question, you kind of. Took over the five seconds, so I know he's going to have a talk with me later. Luckily, luckily, I have a good relationship with him. <laughs> you're going to have to edit. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. Um, entrepreneurism, you said it, uh, it's a fad. Um, yeah. Why is that? Can you elaborate really quick? I think that there's a lot of people, especially in their early 20s, that aren't equipped with the skill set to do something. Mm-hmm. And the... Um, the notion is, is that you can just start and become a coach just because you've, you were a personal trainer for six months or something. Everyone's a coach. Everyone's a coach at everything. And so I have a really hard time listening to those people. And, um, there's, it's like they're in a self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. right now. There's like a lot of young people that are famous for being famous. And I'm like, what, what do you, what do you do? Like what actually, if we sat down in a room together, what could you teach me that I don't already know as a human? So if, if, so I think that what happens to them is the same thing that happened to, like I said, a lot of podcasters, which is, um, there's no, there there. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, what, what is it? Someone, there was someone that was like a, there was a manifesting coach. And I go, what does that mean? She's like, I help people manifest things. I'm like, how do you do that? Well, I, because we think, and they, there was no, there, we went for five minutes, uh, me digging down and to go, but what do you do? There was no do. What do they do? What do you tell them to do? Well, they have to focus on, well, what do they do? What are they focusing on? You know? So I just don't think, I think that eventually someone goes, oh crap, I better learn how to do something so I can get paid. Yep. So that's crazy. That's, yeah. It's a matter yeah. of time. It's a matter of time. Cause I come across people like that all the time. So, yeah. It's sad, like, but if, 
if all goes wrong, mm-hmm. you're still a CPA. You can that go get a true. job doing taxes. Like that's a thing. And not only that, but if you're smart about it, and this is where I think the concept of my concept of being a solopreneur is, mm-hmm. you have the skill set that you had to develop over years. You know, because oh, yeah. because you had to have some modicum of an interest in it before you went to school for it. Like you're like, oh, this is interesting in numbers. And I, and I like the creativity of like, oh, this is cool. What if I did this or this? And I think there's something that feeds a, a, not only the creative brain, but the analytical brain in the mm-hmm. CPA world. But all of a sudden that CPA world gets opened up to now, uh, cryptocurrency. And now what does it look like in that world? And there's a, 10 different jobs that you could do within the crypto world, which is a hot topic right now, where you could take your skill set and port it over to those people. Now we've got entrepreneurship being this trend. All right, how can I take my CPA skills and port it over to this entrepreneurship trend? What do those people need? Oh, um, right. And then you've got the, um, you know, like the Mike McCallowitz profit first model, which is if you haven't read that yet as a CPA, you totally should read that book. And and if you haven't read it as anybody who's not who doesn't feel like they're financially you know stable, read Profit First by by Mike Michalowicz, which is honorable mention. I can't say the sexy eight because it doesn't have the same alliteration, but um, but uh, Profit First should be a required reading as a preamble. Anyway, anyway, so there are so many things you can do with your skill if you're creative about it. Um, that guy started CPA on fire and then he did all the stuff for John Lee Dumas and then a bunch of people because he started a brand around being a CPA and that fueled his own entrepreneurship and made courses and did the things. But it's because this guy had CPA chops. So there are models out there that you can follow, but you got to know how to do a thing. Don't just coach and then hire coaches to coach or teach coaches to coach rather. That's that's where I have a problem. All right, I I, I don't think I don't think we could top that. So uh, read, <laughs> read. Yes, that's that's one thing we got out of this. Awesome. No, we got plenty out of this. I know our listeners are going to appreciate this very well, very much. Uh, any closing thoughts as you run? Well, we really appreciate having you on once again, everybody. Before that, it's Michael O'Neill. Go to solohour.com. Uh, solo hour, solopreneur. You could check, find them all over social media. And yes, yes, if you don't see it, but if you don't see it because you're on the podcast, he is a huge Steelers fan. So (laughs) if you're going to send him a gift, make sure it's something. No, I don't want any more Steelers. Thank you, though. (laughs) Um, Parting thought is stop taking advice from broke, unhappy people. That's it. That's all we need. That's all we need. Perfect. Mark O'Neill, it's been a pleasure having you on. We'll be talking again soon. Thanks, buddy. That is all for this episode of Bossed to Boss. Your next step is to visit bossedtoboss.com where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is Bossed, the number two boss.com. And remember, the time is now.